Hello and welcome to the Locust and Honey Podcast. We are two Reformed Southern Baptists who desire to speak the truth of the gospel to the heart of the culture. We are also proud members of the Bar Network, that's Biblical and Reformed Network. Today is episode 24. Join us as we discuss true truth. If you would like to support our growing podcast, you can do so several ways. One, you can leave us a comment and share our podcast on your social media. Two, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And three, you can follow the link in our show notes to find all the other ways that you can support us and connect with us. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not have been delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? John eighteen thirty-three through 38. Well, hello and welcome everyone to the Locust and Honey podcast. My name's Andrew. And I'm Matt. And today, we're going to be talking about the true truth. I take no responsibility for how you pronounce this title. I take full responsibility. <laughs> I love it. I think it's great. <laughs> so, um, we're getting better at recording from my iPad. Yeah. Last week was a total flop. Last week was difficult. Last week... Apparently, when I posted the episode, it was the unedited episode where it didn't have our intro. It didn't have a lot. We just kind of st- <laughs> we just hit the ground running. <laughs> so, apologize for that. But I think this week should be better. Yeah. Well, technology, technology, good what stuff. Can you do? Andrew, yes. Affirm and deny some stuff for me. All right. Um. Let's see. Well, pause it. I don't know. We can't pause. We can't pause. I'll go first. Okay, go first. Yeah, I'm trying to think. All right. So I am going to affirm consistency. Okay. Um, so we have been sharing our exercise journey. Mm -hmm. I don't know, whatever you want to call that. And I'm going to affirm consistency paying off. Um, So one thing that I think applies to life in general is we need to have goals. We need to know what we're shooting at. So if I'm shooting at a target, I need to know what I'm aiming for, right? And same thing in life, same thing in the Christian walk. We need to understand what the objective is, what we're aiming for, what we're trying to accomplish. And I'm just affirming that that is true. Yeah. Ultimately. <laughs> because um, we've been consistently, inconsistently, consistently working out. Mm-hmm. We work out most of the days that we're supposed to. And we've started running in there and we ran today and I didn't feel like I was going to die. So that was good. But yeah. uh, I'm just seeing on the scale and just health wise the consistency starting to pay off. And that, like I said, ties over spiritually. If we're consistently staying in God's word day by day, we we might not just all of a sudden be this, you know, I don't know, uber Christian, but a little bit every single day is way better than reading your Bible for three hours one day and then not reading it for another month. Just set aside 10 minutes each day. Um, Whatever it is that you want to accomplish, whether it's in your life or more importantly, in your spiritual walk, just start every day being consistent. And if you continually are consistent, each step you take, when you look back 
after your life is complete, you will have walked a long way following Christ or doing whatever you're doing. Yeah. So that's my affirmation. All right. Being consistent. Okay. My denial, or do you want to do an affirmation? Oh, I mean, I've got an affirmation. I don't have a denial yet. All right, affirm something. Okay. I would affirm um, what we are called to as image bearers, uh, which is the cultivation of what we've been given, right? So um, in the garden, Adam was called to cultivate, ultimately. He was called to work the field, work the garden, and keep it. Um, and I'm kind of starting to really see that play out in, uh, this new house that my wife, Emma and I have got, um, you know, we are taking small steps and what I have to battle is I have to battle wanting to do everything at once. You got to be consistent. Um, you got to be consistent. Yeah. Just a little bit every day. Yeah. But in doing that, um, I think I've really, I think the Lord really used it to, uh, kind of show me what it looks like to have responsibility of cultivating something. I mean, I guess I have had, I mean, you know, you have ministries that you have and you're trying to cultivate that ministry into something that the Lord's called you to do. Um, but I think this is more of like a, you can really see everything. (laughs) Right. Like, um, our yard was awful and now it's decent, you know? Um, we painted the house and now the house looks decent, you know, as opposed to when right. we first got there, it was kind of a mess. Um, and so as we work through this, I think that's been something that's been really cool lately that I've been kind of working through um, is just the idea of cultivating something and kind of what that means and what that entails and um, how we're called to do it in scripture. So, yeah. That would be my affirmation. I like it. All right. So my denial is kind of a denial that we've done before, but from a little bit different perspective. So we just ultimately deny it. But I'm going to deny it from a different angle than you denied it. Okay. I'm going to deny Disney and more specifically businesses that think they have to take a stance on political or social or global issues. Mm. And so what I would affirm is businesses that are in business to provide a a quality product Mm -hmm. and make money. What I would deny is them taking a stand on what they deem to be a moral issue or not. Because nine times out of 10 they're wrong (laughs) on what a moral issue is. Mm -hmm. So specifically Disney, looking at that, they kind of decided more so were bullied into taking a stand on transgender and making that like their hill to die on. Mm -hmm. And they're paying the price for it. Um, And there's a lot of investors that are saying, not just in Disney, but in general that are saying, Hey, uh, the New York Times just put out a, a thing and a lot of investors are saying, hey, we probably should not be taking stances on political opinions or cultural topics because that alienates half of the people right. who we're trying to sell a product to. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, so I, I deny businesses thinking that they need to impact change. That's not the role of a business. Yeah. It's the role of the church, but not the role of a business. Yeah. Because then you have guys that have business degrees that are deciding what they deem to be ultimately true and not and trying to enforce that on everybody else. Well, and I think that people take what scripture calls us in Matthew 5 to be salt and light. And they say, well, this is is," like, they'll say, well, we want to be salt and light. But and, and this is on the other side, I guess. Yeah. Right. So as believers, we go out and we say, well, we want to, if we are through our business, putting forth some sort of moral 
message, then that's being salt and light. And, you know, maybe there are uh, some instances where that would certainly be the case. Right. Um, but ultimately, I, th- I think that the Lord works through certain things for different things. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, one of the things that Scripture says is um, to... Oh my gosh, I uh, completely lost it. But to to basically to do things well so that the so that those who see the good works that you do would give the Lord glory and praise. Right. right? Well, included in that is running a quality business. Like mm-hmm. why is Chick-fil-A so if you don't believe in what Chick-fil-A believes in, you still eat Chick-fil-A. Because it's delicious. Because it's good. And they get you through in a timely manner. They have great customer service. Like right. through those things, people are honoring the Lord, even if they don't know it, even yeah. if they don't believe in the Lord because they are patronizing this business and right. they are, you know what I mean? So we just got a new Chick-fil-A in our city mm-hmm. and about a week or two ago, we went through the drive through and there was nobody in the drive through and I was like, what in the world has happened? Is <laughs> mm-hmm. it is it Sunday? No, it was Tuesday. But because it's a new Chick-fil-A, they moved to a new place. And so a lot of people in town didn't know that they were open yet. So we got to oh, that's nice. capitalize on that. <laughs> but my point was that was like the first time I've been through a Chick-fil-A line where it doesn't wrap around the building like 17 times. Yeah, And even in that, it moves pretty quickly. That's the thing. I went to Chick-fil-A yesterday uh-huh. and it was wrapped twice or almost wrapped twice. It yeah. was completely wrapped. And I got in the line anyway because I was right. like, well, it's not <laughs> I mean, going to take that It's not long. a big deal. I yeah. know. So to so. contrast that, last night we went to Fazoli's. Oh, really? Uh-huh. And there was maybe four cars in front of us and we were in line at Fazoli's for 43 minutes. <laughs> and while we were in line... One of the workers stormed off to her car yelling at another employee, that's not my job. I'm not going to be doing that. That's not my job. Yikes. And then got in her car and left. And I was like, that's just, you know, <laughs> the difference is noticeable. Mm-hmm. And people notice a good quality product or uh, a, a good um, customer service and are drawn to that. Mm-hmm. So, yes, you can run a business based off of biblical principles, you know? And you can even do, like, when I was at school uh, studying missions, there's a thing called businesses missions, and people are setting up businesses and countries for the purpose of evangelism, and it really becomes like a church plant. Mm -hmm. Um, They are instilling biblical principles in the employees, but they're also ministering to them with the gospel, and it it becomes a church plant. Right. Um, and so that's fine because the the focus is that. But you first and foremost have to have a business that is right. providing uh, goods or services or something mm-hmm. and that it's quality that people want to pay their money for. Yeah, I mean, that's you know? not so, to say that you can't, you know, within you can do whatever you want in your business and certainly not to say that you can't share the gospel within right. your business. Yeah, but like, what we're denying is that right. the a business is not a stand in for the church. Right. And a business is definitely not what decides what is culturally acceptable or not, or mm-hmm. what is truth. Yeah. So, um, that's a good segue, but if you have a denial, well, I'll let you ruin my segue. Okay. I do have a denial. All right. I don't know if it'll completely ruin the segue. I'm sure we can make the same type of segue out of it. Um, my denial is sort of a, uh, affirmation and denial within the same thing. Oh, no. So the not the denial is... Okay, so we all... We talked about it last week, right? Roe versus Wade, the decision, or at least the draft for the decision was leaked from the Supreme Court. Yeah. And so everyone is, you know, freaking out because they're like... Oh, well, not goodness. everyone. Well, not everyone, but everyone in the media and everyone on the left is freaking out because, you know, they they think this is going to happen. And... The denial is the fact that, so that happened, and then the Senate, right? So the, I believe, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer Mm. um, tried to push a bill that basically legalized abortion to the end. I mean, like, to the point where the baby's born. Yeah. And the 
Denial is the fact that we're so wicked. <laughs> yeah. Know? Like, he almost well, and that was politics too. Right. Even that. Well, and like, yeah, because what he was doing was he was saying, if you're with us, here's what we are going to be here's fighting for. Here's what we're going to be for. So and go vote. This is, and so it was a marker, right? So yeah. it was a marker. The Democrats who voted for it, um, you know, those are like, he basically drew a line in the sand. Yeah. You know, that's incredibly wicked, you know? Well, and that line is murdering unborn babies. Yeah. And if you're pro that, then vote Democrat. And if right. you're anti that, then vote Republican. And they're hoping that there's more people in these upcoming elections that are right. going to vote for that. But the affirmation <laughs> is that the bill didn't get many votes. <laughs> well, yeah, the affirmation is not you only know, did it not get the... It didn't get the 60, the 60 it needed. It, it didn't, didn't get, get majority. Yeah. There was got, a Democrat that voted against it. Was it was 49 to 51. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's that's good. Right. Um, and I also think the other affirmation is that I think that a majority of the public are f against, at least against abortion all the way to that point. There right. is a sense, there is a glimmer of light in there of people that are saying, <laughs> okay, even if they are conceding, which again is still murder, conceding that an abortion, you know, at a certain point is okay. Mm -hmm. They're saying from this point forward, you know, that's insane. So at least there is a little bit of a remnant there of like, I don't know. An inconsistency. Inconsistency. But still. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah. So basically what I've heard is that the studies go, so there's a, just a small minority of people who actually think that abortion's okay all the way up to birth. Right. And then there's a, I don't know how big the amount of people is that are just complete abolitionists. Yeah. Hopefully all Christians, but. <laughs> That's not. It's not. Um, then there's a and lot, then there's of, a people lot that of people in between. You can kill your kid if it meets this specification. Right. But once it meets this criteria, right. you can no longer kill your kid. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't even know if that's an affirmation, but that is just an interesting thing. It's you know? a fact. It's a fact. I think the affirmation is the fact that the people on the left are deceived into thinking yeah. that they've got the majority of the opinion. Right. You know what I mean? Well, that... So. All right, so segue in then. <laughs> that brings up a discussion on all of this. Um, when you're looking at everybody that's talking about the Supreme Court and all of that stuff, what is truth? Is it true that a woman has a right to choose whether she aborts her baby or not, or is it true that that baby has a right to life? And that's kind of what we talked about last week, so we don't have to go down that rabbit hole, even though it might come up. But more specifically, I want to look at the broader picture and just take a, a step back and look at the, the macro picture and the, um, on just what is truth. And so I'm going to start, though, with this. So with the growth of social media today, people are now responding to impressions, right? So as social media grows, people are responding to impressions. So you could say, and it has been said that we are in the age of impressions or the age of perception. And what that leads to is accurate perception of reality is not what's important anymore, but what impression is communicated is more important. So this is, I mean, that's a prime example. The accuracy of what's being perceived is no longer important, but what impression does that person have on what you're saying is what's communicated. And that's um, what people look at and think about. Mm -hmm. And so that leads us to the question of what is ultimately true? What mm -hmm. is truth? If I'm, if it doesn't matter anymore what people think about what I'm saying and weigh it based on is it true or not, and you can look at all of the major news companies, now you've got fact checkers 
and you've got fake news and you've got this and that, and you have the government starting the disinformation something board, mm-hmm. truth disinformation board. What is yeah. it called? You know what I'm talking. Do you know what yeah. I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, they called it the. Uh, what was it? The Ministry of Truth or something? Well, that's what it is. Yeah. But it's, oh, Disinformation Governance Board. So now the government is having this Ministry of Truth where they're going to decide if what you're saying is true or not. And if it's not, then you can be held accountable mm-hmm. for that, uh, which is completely unconstitutional. And, um, but I mean that that brings up the question, what is truth? Um, so what I want to look at today is that question, what is truth? I also want to look at who decides what is true, and then I want to look at is the truth always true? Yeah. And so when we're looking at what people say today, um, there's a lot of questions. Is truth relative? Is it a matter of image or perception or is truth objective? Is there such thing as an objective truth or is truth just relative? What do you think about that? Um, Well, I mean, it's certainly not relative, right? If I tell you that there, you know, is a tree in the middle of the road and you're driving down the road and there is a tree in the middle of the road, you can't decide that there's not a tree in the middle of the road. Okay. You know what I mean? But what would the argument for relative truth be? Like people that actually hold to that. Well, what they often say is that you and I have different contexts and meanings for everything. Right. Okay. So it's a war on def- it's a war on the the dictionary, basically. Yeah. Of well, no, no. I perceive, you know, that when it says this, this is what I take it to mean, and that's true to me. Right. Well, if I'm reading a book, if I'm, if I'm reading the Bible, if I'm reading the Bible, and I see where, you know, um, Jesus is talking about adultery, you know, and he's saying you can't look at a woman with lust. Okay. Well, um, if you say this, I can read. You can't look at a woman with lust or whatever, and I can take it to mean that something else. And so that's your truth. And what I believe about that is my truth. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, you've got, um, there is a infamous pastor on TikTok. And what he said is that the story of Lazarus mm. and him coming out <laughs> of the grave <laughs> is a call to come out of the closet. Shout out to Jeff Durbin for the reaction to that. Yeah. <laughs> that was... But... His truth, based off of his experience and his struggles and all of that, have led him to interpret that passage that way. Right. So what's wrong with that being his truth? If it empowers him. Well. And he uses it to empower others. The problem is that ultimately truth does not bow to what he wants or what he feels. Truth is true. In fact, Scripture I mean, it says that Jesus says, thy word is truth in John 17. And ultimately, truth is truth is, is lined up to Scripture. Scripture's not... So truth submits to Scripture. Scripture doesn't submit to truth, right? Well, they're this one and the same. They are one and the same. But Scripture is the foundation of truth. So you can't have... It's not necessarily one of those things where... Like truth flows out of scripture, basically, is right. what my thought is. <laughs> okay. Um, and so because of that, you can't, you can't, you don't, we don't have, again, going back to, we talk about it a lot, but we don't have the authority to go and say, well, this is what I believe. Therefore, what I believe is the truth. Well, we, yeah. we have no place in that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So my wife, was watching The Bachelor. And what a lot of the girls on there were talking about was, I'm just trying to live my truth. Mm-hmm. And so I'm making the decisions that I'm making based off of my truth. And 
doing what's best for me. And, you know, I hear what you're saying, but that's not my truth. And I affirm everything that you're saying and I hear you and I understand that that's your truth. And so I affirm that, but that's, this is my truth. And then you have opposing truths at that point. Right. right? So, um, there is this thing by John Locke. Well, John Locke didn't originate with this. It was used before, but he made it popular. It's called the correspondence theory of truth. And what it says is truth is that which corresponds to reality. So the correspondence theory of truth is that truth is that which corresponds to reality. Basically, you're saying, tell it like it is, you know, uh, that whole idea of tell it like it is, tell it, and what it is, is truth, right? So tell the truth in this instance or in a situation. Um, <clears throat> and so the, the correspondence theory of truth is kind of the other side of relative truth, Right. And so you've got the relativity of truth where truth is relative based on a person and their background and their experiences. So any kind of social justice is using that, Mm -hmm. you know, um, a person of color in America has lived a different truth than a white male in America. So when you get into critical race theory or any critical theory, um, you have intersectionality and those people have uh, more of an ability to speak to what is true to them based off of their lived experience, right? And, and so they face different things. They've suffered in, in multiple intersections of life, which have caused them to be able to speak to that more truly than somebody that's never experienced it, mm-hmm. right? So what they're using there is the relativity of truth that their truth is relative to them and their experience and that there's no objective truth. So if me as a white male who is a Christian and heterosexual (laughs) and binary, um, so like I have zero intersections. Mm -hmm. Uh, but if I'm going to speak truth, then according to critical race theory and critical queer theory and all of these different things, uh, people don't have to listen to me because I don't have that lived experience. Right. And I have not suffered because of that. So I can't speak to it, right? But what God's word says is that there is objective truth and we can know that not because we've experienced it, but because it's based on God. And if we have a relationship with him, and as you've already said, thy word is truth, if, if God's word is truth, then we can know God's word by spending time with him and his word. And we can speak truth to somebody that's going through something that I might not be going through. Right. But that, that is not based off of my experience. That's based off of ultimate truth. Mm-hmm. But a problem has arisen with the correspondence theory of truth. And that problem would be, so um, I heard, R.C. Sproul talking about this, and he was saying how um, there was a guy talking about the correspondence theory of truth, and during his lecture, uh, somebody walked up on stage and took a swing at him and then ran off the stage, and then the guy was like, whoa, did y'all just see that? And he immediately went in the audience and started asking the people what happened, and they were all like, yeah, this guy, you know, he had on a a red shirt walked up there and he hit you and then he ran away. Then another guy, yeah, there was this guy with a blue shirt on and he pushed you and then ran away. And then there, you know, yeah, there was this guy and he tackled you. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what the the people in the audience are telling him. And he was just saying that if we understand that truth is that which corresponds to reality, then at what point do our realities differ? You know, Mm -hmm. so this person saw this and they, I don't remember the details, but I think he had a red shirt on Mm -hmm. and I saw him hit you, you know, and this person, I saw him push you and I saw him tackle you when 
the reality of what actually happened. And then he showed it later from a different, like there was a camera film and he showed it from a different perspective. The guy did like a, a acting like movie punch and didn't actually make contact with him. And so if that, he was talking to this, uh, to attorneys and I think that's who he was talking to because, uh, perceived reality on what's true or not based off of witness testimony you know, mm. uh, it, it could be the truth or it could not ultimately be true, which is why going back to scripture, we have to base guilt or innocence on multiple testimonies, right. right? Not just one person's because that reality of what they saw might not actually be what is true. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so that's the problem there is not everyone agrees on what that reality is, right? you know? So to give this more of a biblical definition, um, well, before we do that, just applying that, what we're talking about there with people differing on reality and deciding what is true based off of different realities, our culture is trying to set up a makeshift reality for us, whether that's the news that we listen to, whether that's, you know, um, social media and all of the filters and all of the the Instagram lifestyle that is not people's actual life, mm-hmm. um, whether it's uh, big tech controlling and censoring different people that uh, differ on what they believe to be true, right? So our culture is actively trying to set up a makeshift reality. And the question that arises out of that is, what is our perspective? You know, when we're deciding on things like Roe v. Wade and what's going on with the Supreme Court, when we're reading these headlines or hearing these conversations and we're trying to decide, okay, well, where do I stand on this? Mm -hmm. Um, What is true? What is right? What is legal? Should the government be getting involved with a woman and a doctor in the privacy of that doctor's office? Um, Or when we're deciding should a woman have the right to murder her child for any reason, you know, uh, least of which is inconvenience. And Mm -hmm. we talked about that last week. Or when you're saying, well, what is a woman? You Mm -hmm. know, and there's this argument of what is a woman? Is a trans woman a woman? Is a, you know, uh, how do we define a woman? Well, I'm not a biologist. And, And so when we get into these, instances and we're trying to figure out what is our perspective that we're coming at this from how do we define ultimate truth then we have to kind of tweak the correspondence theory of truth and we have to make it more biblical so here we go correspondence theory of truth as tweaked by god's word uh truth is that which corresponds to reality as perceived by god so truth is that which is corresponded to reality, but as perceived by God, because we all have different perspectives and everybody's got an opinion and everybody has all these different things. Um, when you hear somebody say, I'm living my truth, if you equate my truth to opinion, that's what it is. Right. If somebody's telling their truth, they're telling you their opinion. Mm-hmm. But when we're speaking ultimate truth, that's not based on us or our opinion. It's based on objective truth. Right. And what is objective truth? It's God's word. Mm-hmm. Um, God has revealed who he is and what is true based on his word. So from God's perspective, which is perfect, there is an objective reality. There is objective truth, and that's what God's word gives us. So we can do all that we want to fulfill our imperfections, um, looking at social media and all of that stuff, you know, we can use as many filters as we want to portray this image of us and get rid of our imperfections. We can put makeup on to cover blemishes. If, if I'm on uh, a movie set, they can put me in makeup and they can, you know, do all that stuff to, to get rid of the wrinkles and all of the warts and all of the imperfections. Um, but if we're doing that in the culture, to be perceived a certain way that can fool people and they can want that and they can listen to what we're saying. Um, we can come at it with 
intersectionality and we can have 50 intersections and say, this is what truth is. But when we do all that we want to filter our imperfections, um, when we stand before an all-knowing God, all that we've done will be made known. Mm-hmm. All of our imperfections are made known before an all-knowing God. And um, and so I think that that terrifies people, you yeah. know, because there's not a filter to cover the imperfection of sin in our life. Mm-hmm. When we stand before God, uh, the way that the Bible tells us is we will stand before him naked and bare. You know, everything is stripped away. And he is holy, and we see ourselves before him with nothing to protect us or cover us, you know? And um, so that goes back to what you were talking about with the relativity of truth and how no one actually believes in the relativity of truth. Right. Um, Even people that are pushing for all this stuff that we've been talking about like you said, if, if, if I see a tree and I'm like, there's a tree and I'm like, no, you perceive that to be a tree. I perceive it to be an optical illusion, right. you know, uh, or more importantly, when we're in our car and we are coming up to a stop sign onto a major road and you're driving and I say, Andrew, there's a stop sign. And you say, you perceive that to be true, <laughs> but based on my reality, right. that's not a stop sign. And I'm like, well, if you don't stop at that stop sign and you just go into oncoming traffic, we're going to be obliterated. Right. And you say, you perceive that we're going to be obliterated. <laughs> you know, I don't believe that. Yeah. You know, that's not my truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, my truth is that it's going to get me there faster. Based on my lived experience, every time I run a stop sign, it gets me there faster. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, the reality is you have to stop or we're going to get hit. Because mm-hmm. this is a really busy intersection. No, I don't perceive that. So the fact of the matter is that people only believe when they think it suits them, right? right? So if it suits me, I believe in the relativity of truth when I'm trying to push an agenda or this or that. But when you dig down deeper into that is when somebody's life depends on it, they hold to the correspondence theory of truth. When my life is on stake and my life depends on it, now I believe in ultimate truth. I believe that that is a, that is a stop sign. And if I run that stop sign, there is a car that's coming and it's a reality and it's an ultimate truth that if that car hits me, I'm going to get in a wreck, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So when our life depends on it, uh, we believe in that. And what really sticks out to me about that is people, if you look at all of these people that push for the relativity of truth, whether that's social justice issues or um, critical race theory or all the critical theories or um, even the whole abortion issue or the LGBT issue or just any aspect of life, right? When we're, we're talking about my truth and um, people only embrace relative truth when uh, objective truth is a threat to them. Mm-hmm. So when objective truth is a threat to me, that's when you see people embrace relativity of truth. And there is no objective truth that's more threatening to us than the truth of the holiness of God. God is holy. He alone is holy. And that objective truth, that truth is not relative to me being a Christian and believing in the Bible. That truth is relative to God's ultimate truth, you know? And God has stated, I am the creator of all things. I have created you and I am holy and you are sinful, right? Um, If this is real, all of us are in deep trouble and everybody knows that. That's what Romans 1 tells us. Mm -hmm. Romans 1 tells us that we've suppressed the truth of God in unrighteousness and have become fools, you know? And, And that's why people buy into the relativity of truth. 
And that's why there's this argument for what is truth. And if you look at Canada and passing that C4 bill, their reason for passing it is the relativity of truth. But people do that when they know that we stand condemned before a holy God. The LGBT movement is pushing not just for tolerance, but they're pushing for full on everybody has to support what they're deciding to do. Even though it's sin, the Bible calls it sin. Ultimately, they know it's sin, but they've suppressed that truth and unrighteousness and they don't want to be held accountable for their sin. Mm-hmm. So now I'm going to support relativity of truth. They want to well, make there it right. is, Yeah. Well, there's no God, so there's no ultimate truth. Just because you say that doesn't make it any less true than saying there's no stop sign and I'm just going to keep going based off of my experience. Right. You can't prove to me that that stop sign's there, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, I see it. You know, I see, like, gravity. Mm -hmm. I mean, a direct correlation in this argument of there is no God, therefore I can choose my gender and sexual identity and all of that. A direct argument would be if we're in a plane— and you're saying, I'm jumping out of this plane without a parachute. And I'm like, Andrew, that's ludicrous. <laughs> and you're like, nah, I'm going to just fly. Yeah. Like, you can't. There's this thing called gravity. And you're mm-hmm. like, nah, I've never seen gravity. What does it look like? What color is it? What does it feel like? Right. Have you talked to gravity? <laughs> well, no. <laughs> I, yeah. I haven't talked to gravity. I haven't. Can't tell you, I can't tell you exactly what it looks like, but I can see its effects. Mm-hmm. And we are a byproduct of God. God has created us. We can see the effects of God. We have even more than that though. We have God made flesh and we have his word. Mm -hmm. So I can hear from God. I can speak to God. I can pray to God. I am indwelled with the Holy Spirit. Like I have God abiding in me through his spirit. Right. And it's sanctifying me and it's transforming me. And, And so... We have way more proof that God exists than we have that gravity exists, but nobody goes parachuting or skydiving without a parachute right? because they know the effects of gravity are 100% going to kill them every time. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing though. If I'm deciding, well, I want to choose my sin over God, and that's what um, John 3 says. Mm -hmm. John 3 says... You know, we got the verse that everybody knows and loves, which is what it's what we read last week. But for God so loved the world that he gave it his only son, <clears throat> and whoever believes in him shall be saved. But then when you continue to read that same passage, it says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and the people love darkness rather than they love the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that he may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out by God. And so... Who does what is true? Those that are seeking God's word, which is truth. Yeah. You know? And and so um, if God's holiness is real, we're in deep trouble. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all of us, except for Christ. Christ is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the only one that can atone for our sins. You know, and if we stand before God apart from the blood of Christ, then we face his wrath. We face his judgment. We face his holiness because he is holy. That is an objective truth. That truth applies to every person that's ever been created because nobody created themselves. They were all created by God. And once God creates us, we're subject to him and his objective truths. Mm -hmm. And so... I guess my plea to Christians is we need to be founding our truth, not based on the culture, but based on God's reality of what truth is. Um, What is truth? Truth is 
that which corresponds to reality as perceived by God. You know, and the Bible says it a different way. Thy word is truth. And so everything that God says is true based off of his all-knowing reality. And it's not just true for those that believe. It's ultimately true for every single person that's ever been created, regardless of their religious identification, regardless of their sexual orientation or gender, regardless of anything, their skin color, their political leaning, you know, like all of it, we're all subject to God's ultimate truth. Mm -hmm. And um, Christians need to understand that. We need to base what we believe to be true based off of that. And we need to be calling others to repentance and to turning back to Christ. Because there are a lot of people that see, huh, I see the truth of this and I'm going to suppress the truth in unrighteousness because my heart is dark and I love my sin more than I love God. Right. But where we need to understand, I feel like I've been talking a lot, but where what we need to understand is the truth of what changes hearts of stone is the gospel. The gospel is the power of God into salvation. And if we truly believe that, we will be sharing the gospel with those hearts of stone, those people who are basing truth on their reality or their lived experience or any other reason, we need to share the truth, the light, and the way with them. Uh, apart from that, we stand condemned before God in his holiness. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's easy for us as Christians to look at non-believers and kind of their viewpoints and see how how much what... So we talk about relativity, right? Or relative truth. We see it's how much that is reduced to absurdity um, because of the fact that we are living in God's world where his truth reigns, right? He yeah. reigns and therefore truth reigns. So um, like we were saying before, if we come up to a stop sign and you know someone just decides that the stop sign isn't there, that's an absurd thing to do. <laughs> We all know there's a stop sign. Right. And like you were saying, you know, eventually, even the person who subscribes to relative truth, they can't hold that consistently because they would not survive life. Right. You know? Yeah. That's um, people that actually don't think there's objective truth are the ones that were in loony bins. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so. I think as Christians, it's easy for us to kind of dismiss that and say, well, I'm a Christian, you know, I, I believe in ultimate truth. But I think it's important that we go back and kind of like what you were saying and ask ourselves, okay, now what I believe, am I, is what I believe coming from scripture is what I believe coming from the actual source of truth or is it coming from something else? Right. And I think that... Well, what, that goes back to your whole argument of yeah. the majority of people that... With Roe v. Wade. Right. There's a, a small majority of people, there's a small minority of people that want any child to be aborted, even mm-hmm. up into delivery. And then there's a small percentage of people that want an abolition, an abolition mm-hmm. of abortion where it's an actual crime mm-hmm. and punishable as a crime. Right. And then everybody else is in the middle, but that's not consistent with ultimate truth. Right. Well, is murder, murder. And I would say there's a lot of Christians that are in the middle. But that's what I'm that's, saying. Those you know, people that are saying, oh, I don't buy into relative truth, mm-hmm. but then also say, um, I'm going to support politicians that are pro-choice, mm-hmm. and I'm going to support politicians that are fighting for the right of abortion, or I'm going to support abortion in right. general. You know, I, I think... Uh, yeah, I think in these instances, abortion is okay, but mm-hmm. in these instances, it's not. That's relative truth. Right. That's not objective. Well, and, you know, and, and kind of what, you know, what I would, what I guess my plea would be is for Christians to ultimately base everything that you believe off of scripture. Right. Now, not your pastor, 
Right. Now your pastor is, you know, given authority, but his authority is only on scripture. It's based yeah. on scripture. It, he stands upon scripture for mm-hmm. his authority. Right. Right. But once he leaves scripture, we have got to be able to go back and and say, no, 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 this is what the Bible says. What he said perks my ears up because yeah. I know what the Bible says about this issue. And I think that a lot of Christians who are earnest Christians, right? People who yeah. actually are regenerate believers, I think that we get led astray because we don't do that. We don't go back to the scripture and say... Right, we're following a person or... Right something rather than God's word. Right. We're not using the map. We're just following the guy in front of us. And then when they get off track, we go right down the same trail with them. Right. Because we're not looking at the map. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so, yeah, I mean, the, the plea is, is that for me is that what our pastors say is good so long as it is based upon the word right. and it aligns with the word. And your reason for you know? saying that is there's a lot of spineless pastors in the American church today. Right. And they're sur- succumbing to the pressures that culture is putting on them. And they're not standing on the truth of God's word. They're Instead, they're trying to make being a Christian fit in mm-hmm. with what the culture is saying is right. true. And so they're using the culture to dictate what of God's word sifts through Mm-hmm. as long as the culture approves of this, we can talk about these things, but the culture doesn't approve of this. So we're right. not going to talk about biblical manhood, womanhood, roles, gender roles. We're not going to talk about abortion. We're not going to talk about this and that. There are certain things that we can't talk about because the culture does not approve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So everything becomes a non-gospel issue. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, So, and I think it goes back to culture is not neutral. Mm-hmm. Culture is preaching, and it's preaching in churches, and it's preaching through uh, people that call themselves pastors, but they're spineless and they're weak. Mm-hmm. And we need men with strong backbones to boldly proclaim the truth of God's word from pulpits on Sunday mornings. Right, yeah. So find one of those churches that is doing that and get in God's word and be transformed by God's word mm-hmm. because his word is truth. Yeah. And continue to, I mean, even if you find a, a church that's doing that, continue to go back and to God's word, to God's word yeah. with every, everything that we hear, you know, that's, that's what we need to do because I mean, thy word is, thy truth. word is truth and that's it. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> nothing yeah. else. you know. So, all right. Well, I think that's a good place to end it. Yeah. If you're still here, we love you guys. We appreciate you. And we will talk to you next week. Have a good Lord's Day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.